So we're now several weeks into this lockdown, and I remember when it first started being together with other pastors and the, the idea that we would be celebrating Easter like this, not in person, seemed unreal. Uh, certainly an Easter celebration unlike any that we've ever experienced before, a digital Easter. And now, several weeks into it, this is exactly what's happening. We're celebrating Resurrection Sunday virtually, uh, for the most part, online and or in person in our little pods and, and quarantines and uh, rooms of isolation, as it has been described. But uh, at this point, people are feeling different things. For some, it, it seems very frustrating because uh, businesses are struggling, people have lost their job, the economy is being impacted, and it introduces a lot of fear and uncertainty and insecurity. And there are some people that feel like maybe wondering if this is necessary, if the people who are making the decisions are making wise decisions, or if uh, perhaps on the other side, people are thinking, well, we should have done more and should have done it earlier. There are all kinds of different uh, opinions and perspectives out there. There's the desire to return to normal, the, the frustration and uncertainty of not knowing when that will be, when we will be able to return to normal. And people are feeling all of these different emotions, having all of these different concerns and thoughts. And throughout this whole time, our message and the series that we've been in has been about how God is in control. And almost from the very start, this was kind of the theme, that God is in control, and I'm convinced that he is going to use it for his glory and our good. For his glory and our good. And in order to believe that, and in order to work within that framework, you have to trust you have to trust God, and in fact, that's going to be our theme for today. That's what we're talking about, trust. We may not be able to trust our perception. We don't know exactly what's happening with this disease. Maybe we have great trust in the people who are making decisions at the local, state, and national level, and some may wonder if that's the case, but here is the thing that I know, that we can trust God, that God is in control, and whatever we are going through, he is going to use it for his glory and our good. And in fact, that is the confidence that we can all have as we go forward, that Jesus knows what he's doing. Because uh, you know, we really, sometimes we don't know what we're doing. We're not sure. We don't have confidence in uh, people who are making decisions. But here is what we can have confidence in. Jesus knows what he's doing. When we face certain circumstances, it would be very natural for us to wonder if God knows what he's doing and if God is in control, can we trust him? And this is not a new experience that even when Jesus was walking on the earth, his disciples went through circumstances that made them wonder if Jesus really knew what he was doing. One such story is told in John chapter 11, where it tells the story of Lazarus. It says, a man named Lazarus was sick. 
He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, we would have recognized Mary and Martha because they've come up in the story before. This was a family, a household, that was very familiar with Jesus, knew Jesus, and was close to Jesus. So as a result, the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now, this is... Uh, what we would expect when you've got somebody who knows Jesus, knows his ministry, knows what he's capable of doing, and somebody that cares about them, uh, somebody that he cares about, somebody that they care about is sick. So they send the message, and it says when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. This is good news, and he's proclaiming to his disciples, look, Lazarus, our friend, is sick, but the end result, the end of the story, is not his death. That's a good thing. But I think it's also Jesus is indicating a little bit of purpose, that, that Lazarus didn't get sick because he was going to end up in death, but he says, no, it happened, why? For the glory of God, so that, again, indicating purpose. Why did this happen? Why is Lazarus sick? Uh, it's not because he's going to die. It's so that the Son of God, Jesus talking about himself, will receive glory from this. And as we've talked about throughout this whole series, it's not that everything that happens to us is good as a follower of Jesus. It's that God's power is such that no matter what happens to us, he is able to work it for our good. It's not that everything that happens is good. It's that he's able to work it for our good. And so the good that is going to happen is that God is going to receive the glory. And so this emphasizes what we've been talking about. If God is in control, if Jesus knows what he's doing, then God is going to use this, whatever this is, whatever we're facing, for his glory. Now, there's an editorial comment that's made next. It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, why do you think it would be necessary for John writing this gospel, an eyewitness to everything that we're about to talk about, to indicate that Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus? And then he says, so, the next verse begins with so, indicating uh, Jesus loved them, so. Now, what would you expect to see next? Jesus, this teacher and healer, the son of God, he loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus and hears that Lazarus is sick. So he dropped everything and went straight to their house and healed Lazarus. That's the kind of thing that we would expect. But here, the apostle John has emphasized Jesus' love for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And then it says, so as a result, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He stayed where he was. He goes into a period of inactivity as it was. And that's very hard for us to understand. Right, Because when we are in a situation where we need help, where we know that the Lord can help and it, he doesn't act, then that doesn't make sense to us. That's, that's a non sequitur. He loves us so much, so he didn't rescue us. He loves us so much, so we lost our job. He loves us so much, so we got sick. These things don't make sense. 
And it can cause us to wonder, is God really in control? Does Jesus really know what he's doing? And so then it says, finally, after waiting a couple of days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Judea, where Bethany, where Mar Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. Now he's going to go back. So Jesus and his disciples return to Judea. They're at the home of Mary and Martha. And Martha greets him and says to Jesus, Lord, if only, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. If only you hadn't delayed. If only you had come when you got the message. If you only you could have been here because we've seen it. We've seen you heal. We've seen you uh, so many times in the past do what you could have done here if you hadn't delayed. If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But she says, even now, even now I have a glimmer of hope. Even now I have that little glimmer of trust in you. Even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus replies, he tells her, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Now, Jesus has something in mind, but Martha is not quite understanding what Jesus' plan is. He, she says, yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. She had her theology right. She knew that eventually everyone who has died will be raised to life for judgment and then eternal life. So I get that. She says, my the theology is sound. I get that. I know, I know that Lazarus, along with everyone else, will rise again. But what Jesus wants to do is he wants them to know something about him that they didn't know before. They want him, he wants them to understand him, know him, trust him, believe in him in a way that they hadn't before. And so in response to this, Jesus brings it to a point. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection isn't some doctrine. The resurrection isn't some happening in the future. It's not some dogma that you're supposed to believe. I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. You see, she had her doctrine right. She knew the right answers, but what Jesus was doing was saying, look, I am the resurrection and the life. This is not about an event. This is about a person. And he goes on to say that everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. He is explaining that eternal life is not something that just happens to you after you die, when you go to heaven. Eternal life is found in the person of Jesus Christ in the here and now, that whoever lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Now, their bodies may die, but they will not die. And he wants them to know that resurrection, that life is found in him. And so he asked, do you believe this, Martha? And that's the question. Do you believe this? Do you believe that you can trust me? 
Do you believe that I am who I said I am, the Son of God? Do you believe that I have the power of life and death? Do you believe that I hold the keys to eternal life? Do you believe this, Martha? Do you trust me? Do you know me? When I say, I am the resurrection and the life. Now I want to fast forward a little bit to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, beginning at verse 36. Now, this is a after the cross and resurrection appearance of Jesus. Uh, the story of Lazarus was happening towards the end of his earthly ministry before the cross. This is happening right after. And in fact, Jesus has begun appearing to the disciples. He's appeared to two disciples as they were walking on the road to Emmaus. And now the disciples are gathered behind closed doors talking about this experience, trying to make sense of what's going on. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. You see, the disciples, despite everything that Jesus had taught them, everything that he had said, every way that he tried to prepare them, it was still so far outside of their experience and expectation that Jesus would rise from the dead, that they still were trying to make sense of it. They didn't expect it. They didn't make it up. They experienced something that they did not see coming. The women went to the tomb on that Sunday morning preparing to, to prepare a dead body, not expecting to find an empty tomb. And the disciples, even after Jesus starts appearing to them, are still trying to make sense of it. They were startled and frightened, thinking they had seen a ghost. Why are you frightened? He asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. I think it's just funny because he's still trying to show them, hey, I'm real. You can touch me. I have a physical body. Uh, let me show you. I will eat something. And you can see the disciples. It's kind of comical. They're just staring, watching him eat to, and still un, uh, unbelieving but believing, joyful and fearful at the same time. Then verse 44. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. There's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And so we go back to Bethany before the cross and resurrection. 
and Jesus going out to the tomb where Lazarus is buried. And it says, Jesus once more deeply moved. We picked up the story after when he was, uh, when he was talking to Mary and Martha, he became very agitated, very emotional. Some translations interpret it as anger. Some of them as deeply moved. The word that's used can indicate both. And, and I wonder, what was it that was so moving? What would even suggest a little bit of anger? And this is just purely conjecture on my part, but I think it fits with theology, the theology of the moment in this moment, that death was never God's original intent. It was only because, beginning with our first parents, that sin entered into the world, that death entered into the world. And so all of the mourning that Jesus was watching and also experiencing was contrary to God's plan and design. And the whole idea that death has a grip on the people that he loves was deeply moving to him. He comes to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. And at that, one of the sisters objects, Jesus, he's been in the grave for four days. He, he, he's, he's going, it's going to smell bad. This is not a good idea. But he overcomes the objections. The stone is rolled away. And Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You see, in the midst of all this, Jesus has been directed by his heavenly Father. Jesus has said, I only do the things that I see my Father doing. God is in control. Jesus knows what he is doing. His delays, his yeses, his noes, his answers, his uh, actions, all of it makes sense from God's perspective. And in the midst of all of these things, whatever these things are, God is working for his glory and for our good. Father, I thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that, again, indicating purpose. Why is this happening? So that they will believe, so that they will trust, so that they will know me in a way that they did not know me before, so that they will believe that you sent me, that I'm not just doing this on my own, that I'm not just making this up as I go, that God, my Father, is leading and guiding and directing. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. And then, as everybody's eyes are on Jesus, and then to the entrance to this cave, the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes. His face wrapped in a headcloth. Interesting, again, an eyewitness testimony. How do we know that this is the case? Because John was there. He was watching it and uh, includes the detail that Lazarus was still wrapped in those grave clothes. And then Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. And perhaps part of the reason why you're going through this, whatever this is, the reason that you're having all of these questions, so that God in the midst of this is trying to do something with you. 
He is trying to take you to a place that you would not have gone otherwise. He's trying to tell you something about himself that you would not have learned otherwise. He wants you to trust him in a way that you would not have trusted him if you had not gone through this experience. And he is perhaps trying to set you free in ways that you have not been set free before. He is encouraging you to come out of that grave and he is, he is saying, unwrap him, unwrap her, let her go. Unwrap him, unwrap him and let him go. He wants to free you, he wants to bless you, he wants you to know him, the resurrection and the life. Again, the question, everyone who lives in me, Jesus said, and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And in fact, maybe that is the whole reason, that the, the, the whole purpose that God is working in your life, that if all of this, whatever this is, would not happen, then perhaps you would not be sitting here listening to this right now. If all of this were not happening, perhaps you would not have heard the message of Jesus with the ears that you're hearing it now, having gone through this experience. And maybe one of the ways that he wants to bless you and reveal himself to you is as the resurrection and the life. He wants you to come to him in repentance. When you say yes to Jesus, you are saying no to your former life. You're saying no to the self-directed life. You're saying no to your calling your own shots and saying yes to him. Yes, I need forgiveness for the sins I've committed. Yes, I need my guilt washed away. Yes, I'm tired of doing things my own way. I want to follow you instead. Do you believe in me? Do you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you surrender to me? Say yes to Jesus right now. If you're following along and listening on our church online platform, there's an opportunity for you to click that button that's the equivalent, the digital equivalent of raising your hand, saying, yes, I'm committing my life to Jesus. Yes, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. I want my guilt and sin washed away, and I want the forgiveness and life that is found in Jesus. And if that's you right now, then go ahead and click that button. If you're watching this at another time, you can text yes to our church number 603-225-2550 and that will be your way of indicating that you are saying yes to Jesus, yes to his forgiveness, yes to his leadership and lordship in your life. Yes to Jesus who is the resurrection and the life. And beyond that, you know, God has been working through all of this in various ways, we've seen more and more people saying yes to Jesus. We, our reach as a church, as we have stopped meeting, has, I believe, actually expanded. There are people who are watching this right now who would never show up at Red River Theaters on a 10 a.m. Sunday morning, but now you are a part of our church because of our having to adapt to this situation. And we've seen over and over again how God has used this for his good. When we, uh, for our good and for his glory, 
When we started out as a church, it was our design and desire to be a multi-site church, that we would uh, just start here, but that we would expand and that we would be able to have first small groups and then congregations of people in an ever-increasing geography, geographical space. And now we've become, like so many churches going online, an omnisite church where it's everywhere because if you can get online, you can participate in church and churches all over the place are expanding their reach. I used to think, wouldn't it be cool if you could have church in a, a storefront with just glass on the front so that even as people walked by or drove by, they could see what was going on. Now, Everybody can be a part of church, and over and over again we see this multiplying because Jesus is everywhere, and he is making his presence known, and he is impacting lives everywhere. You've heard me talk about the church online platform that we're using. That was designed, bought, and paid for by a church, and then they turned around and made it available for free to churches all over the world. And in the last several weeks, they've seen, I think, a fourfold increase in the number of churches that are using the church online platform, going online. And that's just a small portion of the churches that are transformed that are transitioning to online ministry. Their reach is expanding. The gospel cannot be chained. Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and we are celebrating an Easter like none other before, and I pray and I hope that we are going to see a harvest of souls, people saying yes to Jesus like we've never seen before, and I hope that you will be one of those who say yes to Jesus. We want to see more and more people saying yes to Jesus more and more often because he is at work. Even in the midst of these trying circumstances, even in the midst of these difficulties, he wants to reveal himself to you in a way that you would not have known him or understood him had you not gone through this. Now, I want you to, to watch this song. This is not from our church, but from Life Church, the ones who provide the church online platform. It's a new song written by the musicians in their church. Over the past couple of weeks, I've encouraged you to recommend songs that have been meaningful to you. This song I ran across in the first week of this lockdown, and it's just been on repeat on my devices and in my mind that whole time. It's called heavens all around. The idea that the church is breaking out of the walls that it used to constrain it and that Jesus is making a difference and that heaven is right here among us and by saying yes to Jesus, you can be included in God's family. You can be a citizen of heaven, heavens all around, and I want you to be a part of it. Only the star Heavens all around 
friends all around Jesus is near I can see it now I can see it now Your kingdom is here Heaven's all around Heaven's all around Jesus is near And I can see it now I can see it now Your kingdom is here People all over the world with very real reasons are scared to death Fear is contagious. That's the bad news. But there's also good news. All that we've seen, there's still more to come. We know you'll finish what you've begun. And battles may rage, but we will not fear. Cause we know contagious but so is faith and so is love and so is hope so come and move how you want to come and make the old huge changes for churches as online church services quadrupled last week houses of worship now focusing on keeping members safe from the coronavirus but i'll tell you where there's a faith there is a way to worship a technology has become the new tool platform so churches can hold online services and it's made available for free to any church who wants it five thousand new churches have signed up this last Last weekend, all of the different churches that used the platform, we saw over 4.7 million unique users all over the world. We saw almost 16,000 people come to faith in Christ. I don't know where you are, but I hope you're doing this right now. If we can't gather physically, we will gather digitally because the good news will spread. So I'm here with uh, Sue Ellen, my wife, and always glad to have you with me. 
Thanks. And uh, and I know that they are too. So if you're following along live, comment and tell me how glad you are that Sue Ellen is here with me. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, um, and come and move how you want to. I love that. I love the way that that song ended because it's such an expression of trust. And when you trust the Lord, then whatever comes your way, even if it's unexpected, even if it's unpleasant, even if you can't figure it out, then you can still trust the Lord. You know that he's got it, he's in control, Jesus knows what he's doing, and we can trust him in that way. Yes. So I'm very thankful for that and very thankful for you. Thankful that you were with us today celebrating Easter. And let's go and say, I mean, yes to Jesus. Some of you are saying yes to Jesus for the first time. Part of what it means to just follow Jesus, that's saying yes to Jesus over and over again. Every day. So, every day. So again, thank you for being here. Let's pray for everybody and then we'll uh, say goodbye. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truth of the resurrection. Thank you, Lord, that we are able to celebrate together. And I thank you, Lord, that we can join online virtually but celebrating a very real resurrection and the very real fellowship that we have with you lord help us to trust you help us to put our faith completely in you to understand that you know what you're doing and to surrender to you and grant us we pray the peace of mind that comes from doing that. The shalom, the peace that you promise that's not as the world gives, but the kind that is untethered to circumstances, that is rooted and anchored in you, your goodness, your sovereignty, your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Amen.